Today is April 17th, 2021. This is episode 118 of Back to Normal, so let's get started. All right, in this episode, we are going to talk a little bit about vaccines, but mostly I would like to chat a bit about the new restrictions that have been put in place uh, in Ontario by the Ford government. And there's kind of a lot to delve into there. And um, yeah, I really, I mean, a lot of this, if you, if you were on the internet at all yesterday, or if you, I, I'm hoping you're not gathering with large people, but if you, if you spoke with anybody yesterday um, who's paying attention to the restrictions, I don't really see anybody who who is applauding the exact specific set of restrictions that they made. Um, there might have been, there might be certain people who applaud the fact that they are restricting anything, but um, that seems pretty short-sighted. And yeah, there's a lot of specific restrictions that just don't make any sense and things that were not restricted at all in any way that seems like they probably should be. Um, before we do that, though, I want to take just a minute or two to talk um, about something which I learned this week and I had never really heard this before. Um, I went through um, the entire last our entire last competition at work. And you'll recall if you're if you've been listening since then, um, that kind of from November through basically middle to end of February, I was working incredibly hard on the technology powering our competition at NSERC, our Discovery Grant competition, and was having a great time doing it. I was learning a ton. I was putting in, I ended up putting in 40 extra hours of overtime over the month leading up to enduring competition, um, mostly leading up to. Um, and it was great. I was having so much fun. I was like, I was getting to build things. I was being creative. I was being a programmer. It was so much fun. Um, and you'll know if you've been listening lately that I've been having kind of a lot of uh, times where I'm banging my head against the wall at work, trying to get things to happen. And um, this caused me, I was reading, uh, I think it was on Twitter. I'm not going to be able to dig up the tweet that I found because it was like two days ago. Um, but they were talking about burnout having nothing to do with work. And I thought to myself, because I had thought from the period of basically November to, to February that, you know, I'm not burnt out at all. Like I've been working really hard, but it's so much fun. Like it's really interesting and exciting. And I'm getting a chance to like make these thousands of little calls and, and trying to get the exact perfect right system that I can get. And it like, I felt nowhere close to any kind of burnout. It was great. Uh, I was very, very happy. And work was going really well. And then all of a sudden, in March, um, and now the first half of April, I have felt the complete opposite. Like I had been working on stuff and it was so fun. And um, I've been now told for the last six weeks that, you know, like, wait, um, we're not going to be able to do anything until we get like some human resources stuff settled. And we need to kind of figure out how the next competition is going to work. And, and like, I'm not saying I don't understand that these things like dominoes need to fall where they may and like everything needs to get sorted out. But um, if you go and look up the the actual definition of burnout, um, the, like one of the two, the two main causes of it, and I'm just going off this from memory from the other day when I looked it up, um, the two main causes are basically lack of control at work and unclear expectations um, can lead to burnout. Like basically the act of feeling like you're banging your head against a wall because you have no control over what you're doing. And like reading that and reading this person's tweet and like, this is the Mayo Clinic that I'm looking up. So it's not like some random website that's like burnoutunderstanding.org or something. 
Um, <clears throat> I am fully, I'm, I'm now much more aware of the way burnout feels and like, <laughs> I'm perfectly prepared to be, to go back into this project headlong. But right now I am burned out on competition preparation um, because I can't do it. Like it's like I'm wearing handcuffs and they're tied behind my, like my hands are tied behind my back and I like, I can't do anything. So I like, it feels very hard to start projects at work, whether they're that or not. Um, it feels like I'm pushing against something that is just never like it's too heavy. It's never going to move. And I just have to wait until it moves itself. Um, so I've been trying really hard to distract myself from that with other projects at work. Um, we're going to be doing we, we've done hackathons the last two years in the spring. And so we're planning a third one of those um, for next month. And so I basically just threw myself headlong into preparation and planning for that. Um, and also I've started doing, <laughs> but I'm, it's like basically business blogging, um, writing on our, on our, um, SharePoint site that, that I control, um, just writing pieces like, Hey, we should do this. Um, trying to advocate to get people interested in, in the possibilities, the things that I've talked about technology, modern workplace over the last, um, few, well, I guess the last few weeks, I've been, I've been talking about that for a long time. Um, but all the, all the stuff, the technology that we could have. Um, around competition i've been talking about sharepoint a lot i've been talking about um yeah all the microsoft 365 tools and so i just wanted to to share on this um on this platform on my podcast that um i i don't think that i've ever really felt burned out in the way that i do right now um on this one project and i've actually like mitigating it in the way that i have been the last few days since i figured this out has actually really really helped but um yeah, it really felt like um, like I had no motivation to do anything at work. And <laughs> it's it's very frustrating. And like there were certain days where I would do work. I would work for a couple of hours, like trying to do email, trying to like push somebody to let me do something and nothing would happen. And so like when my kid woke up, I would just go and like <laughs> play with her for the morning because it felt like there was nothing else I could do. Um, I had no motivation to start new projects, like I was saying. So like I would do little bits and pieces of things, but yeah, it, it's very, it's a very weird feeling. I'm not used to it. And I really hope that it goes away soon because it's really frustrating. So anyways, um, yeah, I'm going to leave that there for now, but just in case you had never heard about this one, that went way longer than I expected it to. Um, it turns out I had a lot to say. Um, I'm going to pivot now back to the, the restrictions, um, that the Ford government put in place and basically just wanting to say wanting to share the general feeling that i've had since basically since they put the stay at home order in place um because fundamentally not that much changed today aside from things that are going to do nothing to stem any kind of um case spreading so um what i'm going to do is just include a link to a summary of all the restrictions but basically a lot of industries um are basically able to self-govern in a public health sense um, in that a lot of the things that are described are, you know, this service, these services are essential um, or the following types of services are essential and can, can be allowed to continue. And if you go through, it's super vague and basically almost any business can just decide that they're essential and stay open at full capacity. Um, and what this has made me think of is that basically um the, the like this is how we got here which is Doug Ford is like a business guy 
He doesn't really have a ton of political experience other than what he's gotten from now, which is basically um, not doing a ton except like a few different things, <laughs> basically to spite Toronto. Um, and then this pandemic hit and he's been stuck. Like, I'm sure he wants he would take he would get out of this job like the, having the power of being premier is not worth the absolute crap storm I'm sure he's dealing with at like dealing with the pandemic. Um, but basically, you can look at every set of restrictions that he's ever put in place as um, taking a set of health advice that he gets from doctors and, and you know, epidemiologists and experts. You run that advice through a filter that prioritizes what business leaders want, what um, industry wants, and you get the set of restrictions that they put in place. And it's actually kind of sad because while I'm not saying I want the economy to close down completely or collapse, the safety of people who work in industries and who work at these businesses that are actually essential need to stay open because they're doing things like manufacturing PPE, um, preparing manufacturing food, uh, you know, the kind of supplies that if you're if we're all going to be living at home, if, if the rest of the economy is going to be living at home and working from home, we need these kinds of things still. It's going to get way worse if we don't have those things. Um, but like it can't be this vague, like personal responsibility thing to decide what needs to stay open and what can't stay open. Like, honestly, it feels like um, what they actually what the government actually needs is uh, like a snitch line for businesses where like if you remember at the very beginning of the pandemic um, in Ontario, Doug Ford basically called out any businesses who were gouging their customers, overcharging on things like toilet paper, um, you know, cleaning supplies, Lysol, all that stuff. And basically saying, if you see this, call this line and, and we will come and stop this person from gouging and like find them, whatever. But there's no such thing like that for businesses that are calling themselves essential and saying they need to be open at full capacity and need to be um need to have people in there it just doesn't happen and it feels like it really needs to because um i've been reading i've been reading a lot on twitter about um you know just the people that are suffering the effects the worst effects of the pandemic and it seems like there's a lot of um business transmission that is happening simply because um business owners and and some employees of those businesses aren't willing to sacrifice anything and are being entirely selfish in saying that we need to stay open and ignoring not just health restrictions, but health advice, um, which is to say that we basically understand this virus a lot better than we did last year, but not a lot of people have learned the lessons that <laughs> that science has learned about the virus, which is to say that um, like if you go in and try and read, you can find lots of it, um, people saying like, yeah, my business needs to stay open. Uh, my bosses all think that as long as you're six feet apart indoors, you can't spread the virus. Um, and so they're not even, they're not enforcing any kind of mask policy indoors. Um, that they're basically saying, if you're standing six feet, one inch apart, not wearing a mask, you can work as closely as you want other than that. And it's, it's just really, really ignoring the science that we have now, which says that this thing is airborne. This thing is very unlikely to transmit outdoors, especially if you were wearing masks and six feet apart. But if you are indoors, unless you are absolutely more than six feet apart and wearing like a very good, um, like at least KN95 mask, that 
this thing could transmit if there's like if there's somebody who is not following health restrictions but has test or has would test positive you know is has is symptomatic all that kind of stuff that they can absolutely easily transmit it indoors and that the one thing that it seems like the variants are doing um to increase that is that they're taking advantage of that is that they're slightly better at transmitting indoors especially if somebody is not wearing a mask or if somebody's wearing an ill-fitting mask that kind of thing um honestly it's really hard to say because we really only see anecdotes we don't have really good data on this and nobody seems in canada in ontario nobody seems to be collecting or sharing this kind of data um yeah basically the person the whole personal responsibility side of this pandemic and restrictions um that have been put on basically have loopholes so that absolutely anybody who wants to can rationalize their way out of being restricted in any way and like it's so frustrating because our family has basically been um has basically been following to the letter the exact restrictions that have been put in place since last fall the only time we didn't we took like a slight deviation um was a, our family got like six people together on christmas day because um we had all agreed that like six or seven of us six of us six of us we'd all agreed that we were going to literally literally not see anybody not go anywhere for two weeks like stock up on groceries and things don't see anybody don't go into into a store don't go visit friends don't do anything even outside for two weeks leading up to christmas and then we can spend that one day on Christmas and we still wear masks almost all the time, which again, is pretty much hygiene theater at that point. If you're going to be spending the entire day inside a house, which by definition is not ventilated all that well. Um, if any of us had it, we were going to give it to the others, but we had taken steps to make sure that we didn't have it. And, but if you're not doing, unless you're taking that step, which a ton of people aren't doing, um, yeah, you're not going to stop it. The, the interesting thing is that because of what we do know about this virus, it actually is very possible to give different advice rather than saying, you know, don't see anybody outside your household, which like we can do. Our family is going to do that. But the majority of the vast majority of families, especially families who like can't honestly, and I don't I don't just I don't this doesn't bother me. Um, I totally understand that they don't understand or aren't following day to day the, the current whatever current restrictions are on. And what they're getting from their government is that basically <laughs> what they're getting from their government is basically you can't see anybody and we don't know when you're going to be able to see anybody again and just live with it. And I totally get like, again, we're going to live with that because we don't really have much of a choice. But in general, people are hearing that messaging and it's basically the equivalent of saying, um, to a high school schooler, don't have sex, don't have any physical contact, don't kiss a girl, don't whatever. Um, it's not going to work. That kind of messaging is never ever going to lead to the behavior that you want in in the general population. You're never going to get anywhere near 100% compliance with that kind of restriction. Um, we had this messaging that is super epidemiologically safe um, last summer, which is to say that you need to create a bubble. And basically have one or like have two families, basically have one set of people that you see. And if you're going to have social gatherings, if you're going to have social interactions that are either without masks, indoors, whatever, do it with the people in your bubble. And if you do that, honestly, 
the transmission of this virus is going to go so much lower than if you say to everybody, you can't see anyone. Don't make it clear that what you're actually trying to do is limit your contacts. People are going like, honestly, it's it's a thousand times more dangerous to have people to say like, yeah, limit up to five people indoors. And then um, people will just see different sets of five people every day. Like there's no it's a free for all. There's no limiting of contacts. There's no nothing. Whereas a bubble will let you just completely stop the transmission because there's only a limited number of places where you can get it from. Um, but honestly, the biggest thing here, like I'm glad schools are closed. Um, it makes me feel better that that route of transmission is no longer a thing. I'm hoping that families are not now that their kids are out of school are not just like having playdate pandemonium. I'm, I'm really hoping that, um, it does feel like there are some industries that need to take an actual break that are definitely not essential. Um, yeah, it feels very, it, it feels very surreal to be a year into the pandemic and people still like, literally people are still saying when they, when you read the articles every so often, it's like, I have no idea how I got it. Where did I get it from? I've been so safe this whole time. Um, I would love to see that person's like GPS whereabouts. I would love to see that person's um, thing. Like it is in the community so much that I actually see it being possible that um, if you're in a grocery store that you could get it in a grocery store, like you could, one person could get it from one other person in a grocery store, but super spreader events are happening where that like where mask policies are not enforced, where like when you're in a workplace, when you're in a warehouse and there's hundreds of people there and because like the job that you have is supposedly essential, you're being forced to work in unsafe conditions. These are these are places where it's spreading it, where, where in schools um, where you have 30 kids in a class that's too small for them. Like there are there are concrete steps we could take as a society to completely stop this and they are just not being taken in any way whatsoever. Everyone is just hoping when the December and January lockdown ended, that, you know, vaccines would be enough to stop transmission. And they're, they're just not, it didn't happen fast enough. And this is why we're where we are. And it really sucks. It, it is terrible. It really, really sucks. Um, yeah, I, as far as I know, we are completely able, we know a lot about how this virus transmits, and we're not doing anything to actually stem the transmission. We are taking a bunch of <laughs> you talk about no no nonsense policy. This is this is very much nonsense policy. It doesn't make any sense. It's not following any kind of health guidelines. It's 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 just whatever. Again, it's public health advice filtered through businesses, filtered through whatever businesses want to do. Um, and yeah, that's all I really want to say about that for today. I could probably just keep talking about it, but it's kind of a waste of everyone's time. Um, as are these restrictions. Not to mention, I didn't even get into the whole police. Um, powers thing i'm mostly hearing that um a lot of police um forces i don't even know how the language of this works a lot of like police in ottawa for example um have said that they're not going to be doing any kind of random stop um and checks on people basically giving policing police having the powers to ask anybody um where they're going and where they live if they're out of their house and that just being a terrible terrible policy because we know that police abuse that kind of policy um especially when it comes to race and so I'm really glad we have somebody um, like Peter Slowly, who is <laughs> not a white guy, um, to recognize that this policy is horribly racially biased or will lead to racially biased stops and has said that the Ottawa police are not going to be doing that. Yeah, that was an overreach. And I'm hoping that the back, the incredible backlash to it will will make people um, hopefully Ford, the Ford government will rethink it and just remove it completely because it's 
it's dumb. It's really dumb. Um, the last thing I want to say here is just a note that Health Canada has now said that the AstraZeneca vaccine can be given to anybody over 18 again. And I think that's really great. I think that's really important because right now, literally the only people who would be signing up for AstraZeneca, the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is one that we have in large supplies, by the way, um, are people over 55, but also under 60, because if you're 60 or over, you're, you qualify for the other vaccines and it's much easier to just book an appointment through the mass vaccination clinic than it is to, you know, call pharmacies until you get a spot. So I'm really hoping that because Health Canada has opened this up, that Ontario will also open it up. Um, not to say that everybody has to get AstraZeneca. You can wait if you want, but if you like, they could open it up AstraZeneca to anybody over 18, um, for phase two and basically say, go to a pharmacy, get a shot. Um, let's do it. Let's get this phase two started rather than waiting for vaccine doses to ramp up from other providers. I would absolutely go tomorrow if they said anyone over 18, um, in fa as part of phase two can go to a pharmacy and get a vaccine. I would absolutely go get AstraZeneca tomorrow if I could find an appointment. Um, yeah. It is what it is. Anyways, I'm going to leave it there for now. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.